Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right. Now you've finished your slurping, your green tea. <laughs> I've got some questions that involve my nemesis, Margot. Margot. Cat. Yes. Right. So answer these questions honestly. Okay. Have you ever made a birthday cake for Margot? No, never. Have you ever dressed her up in fancy dress? I have once, yes. Have you taken her <laughs> surfing? Never. No. no. Have you taught her to play the piano or the uh, drums? No, not neither of those. Finally, when Margot passes away, oh it's Friday. Oh no. When oh, Margot when passes around. away, yeah, when mm. I come round, mm. will you have her head? Taken off, stuffed and mounted on your wall. Mm, Well, I have deliberated, not the head, but maybe the whole thing. But no, is the answer to that. Why are you asking me these ridiculous questions? (laughs) Because I'm trying to establish if you're a cat person or a Margot person. I think you might be a Margot person, which means we we can stay friends. But (laughs) now you've got to watch this with me. Netflix's new documentary, Cat People. All those questions I asked you. They yes. do all those things. things that people do. Frames cat heads to hang on the wall. No. Can you imagine? No. Is it in America? It is in America. Yes. I think British cat people might be slightly oh, different. What to... oh, no. <laughs> no, not quite. Okay. Slightly more eccentric, but not as, yeah, like surfing and all of that. I, I don't think. Okay. I don't think Margot would like getting wet if she fell in. She's got a lot of fur. She wouldn't like the blow dry situation. I like to think of Margot not liking things. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. So now that we've got Margot's name check out of the way, she was getting cross because she hadn't been mentioned on the show lately. We can talk about the non-silly, useful and interesting things that we've got coming up today on the show. Yes, she's like the third member of the uh, broadcasting team, she is. isn't she, Margot? Yes, she's been absence. a picture of us, yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to meeting our guest today because we are going to be talking about one of my favourite things in the whole world food Mm -hmm. Um, and we've got nutritionist emma bardwell joining us a bit later on to give us some advice on the do's and don'ts of eating to thrive before during and after perimenopause i'm not sure what she's going to make of your hobnob addiction though lorraine are we going to tell her about that (laughs) listen i'm not the word knob knob yes listen i'm not trying to food shame you as the kids might say because i'm not that kind of friend (laughs) after all but we will be talking about those kinds of friends in jibber jabber won't we 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 will but i can stop my hobnobs at any time trish you know that okay yes under control um we are going to be turning agony aunts today to give our advice on 
when friends go wrong dilemmas, um, which we've been reading about on our Facebook group and in our lives and on our Instagram, things people have been telling us, listeners really having trouble with their pals, I guess. Mm, Yes. And talking of Facebook, our global domination continues as we have (laughs) Japan to add to the list of countries where we now have listeners. She's very delicious world of listeners. But most exciting of all, I'm beside myself about this. You know how we were talking about the first people we snogged in Nostalgia Noodle a couple of weeks ago? That was uh, Vernon for you and Derek for me. Well, we asked if anyone might know of their way about all of these years on <laughs> where's this going trish what are you doing with this your sentence? vernon has been found don't be silly <laughs> well what? we think he might have been found janet posted on the facebook group that she thinks he might be her husband's cousin as there can't be more than one vernon in cornwall who would be the right age should we set up a reunion do you think friends reunited no. snoggers reunited no no <laughs> meeting all the people he once snogged again terrible thing that would be i don't think he can be my vernon if he's from cornwall because i i met vernon when i was briefly at school in plymouth in oh i see right i didn't know about devon okay the southwest devon was a blip a blip oh, right. on my way to Cornwall, you right. see. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, well, that's all very silly. So I'm going to have to calm down after that ridiculousness. <laughs> so I have been researching acupuncture this week, talking mm. of calming down. And that's going to be in our how to win at midlife section, because there's quite a lot of thinking around how that can be good for you in midlife. Mm. So are you saying that you'd rather stick needles in yourself than meet Paul Vernon again? I don't think Vernon would want to see me again. <laughs> Well, he can admire you from afar on your Instagram and all your all like of that, a, can't like he? Like all my fans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's jibber-jabber time, and this week we wanted to delve into some friendship dilemmas. We usually focus on all the amazing things friends do for us, particularly at this stage in our lives. Lorraine, I don't think I could have got through lockdown without your witty and often withering WhatsApp messages uh, and check-ins <laughs> every day that you sent me. That's my job, Trish, keeping you happy, is, making it? you giggle, case you take yourself too seriously at any point. <laughs> but sometimes things do go wrong with our gal pals, don't they? And that can be really hurtful and difficult. Yes, I think it can. It's hard um, when friendships aren't kind of chugging along in a happy way. Um, We decided, though, because it was coming up a lot on our Facebook group that we were putting our agony aunt hats on because we have worked in magazines for 10 million years and heard from lots and lots of women in that time. And we've got some problem solving that could be helpful. And we're going to see if we can help with the dilemmas that we found on our social media. Yes. So I'm going to kick off with a juicy one and would like your words of advice on this, Lorraine. And just to say that we have taken the liberty of editing some of the details to protect identities in all of these scenarios so here goes but you'll get the gist so the woman I thought was my best friend lives in another country but we have been really close ever since we worked together through the first lockdowns she lived alone and also had very challenging times at work and in her private life I really supported her now she lives with a new man and things seem to have fallen in place for her at work I got a new job recently I was so delighted and beyond excited and she's disappeared Um, She sent me a congratulations, but not much more. Exactly. Um, She was one of the first people I wanted to talk to you about. I feel so let down that she can't be happy for me and hasn't returned my calls. I feel grief for this friendship. I never had a bestie growing up. And this was the first time in my life I felt I had that. That's, That's a hard one. That's sad, isn't it? 
It is sad, isn't it? What do you it? think's but going on? Reading between well, the lines. I think if you, it's, I think the line that interested me most was the "I never had a bestie growing up," mm. and this was the first time in my life that I felt I could discuss that. I think the expectations of this friendship are massive, mm. aren't they, from mm-hmm. the lovely lady's point of view? So she does; she's taken the ghosting, which is mm. when people stop talking, returning your calls, really, really personally. We've interviewed lots of therapists, haven't we, for mm. the show, and in our actually in our careers. And one of the things that I have learned along the line interviewed a lot for the book is that often we're like is attracted to like so we're Mm -hmm. often attracted to people who are like us and the way they behave is often how we're behaving too Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we don't see it from afar so we you know I'm just wondering whether if she could take a step back and do that kind of top to toe self-assessment how have Mm -hmm. I been in this friendship have Mm -hmm. I returned calls is that the habit of our friendship to return calls like that have I congratulated her on things have I been around and I always think it's worth just thinking am I doing what I think I'm accusing someone else of doing or fearing someone else is doing because we're quite similar Mm -hmm. that was one of the thoughts that uh, crossed Mm -hmm. my mind what did you think well I think that she needs to think about whether she can move on from this without closing or whether she really needs to know what happened and what went wrong in the friendship. So I think that's something that she probably needs to sort of think about. But whatever your view of it, ghosting is often a way of people communicating that a relationship or a friendship is over and you have to accept it for what it is. It's not the most pleasant way. So she has to ask herself, can she move on? Um, Can she distract herself? Can she talk to other people about it? Can she just focus on the good, you know, the positive people in her life, the radiator people in her life, you know, the ones that don't drain you? So, you know, some of the messages on there were life is too short for draining or toxic friends. Yeah. You've just got to move on. Yeah. So, yes, a self-reflection yeah. and acceptance and prioritising yourself. Yes. Well, this one's slightly more tricky, Trish. This mm, one okay. My friend is in the process of getting divorced after an unpleasant split with her partner. She seems to be coping well. It's very pragmatic and practical, apart from in social situations. Mm. Then she gets really drunk and really early in the evening mm. and often ends up falling over or passing out or having to be taken home everyone in our group has been cutting her some slack and trying to look after her but it's starting to make us dread evenings out with her and i'm worried people are going to stop inviting her shall i say something what would you do trish would you say that I think I would say something. But first of all, I'm guessing from that that she's not normally like that because if she was, that would have been a pattern of behaviour. So this is clearly, she's in a crisis. She's probably feeling incredibly awkward, especially in couple situations because I'm sure socialising once you're single when you weren't before and who are you and re-sort of redefining your identity and just probably nervousness. But I think as a friend, you could probably have a kind of nice, word with her over a coffee and explain that you're worried about her that you've noticed her drinking has notched up but it's putting her in potentially dangerous situations because if she's falling over she's having to be taken home it could you know something even worse could kind of happen and you're obviously doing this for a place of love and concern and maybe it'll just give her an opportunity to kind of open up um, and talk about it and then maybe it's about suggesting other social things you can do together rather than it all revolving around you know drinks and, and the same old kind of dinner party circuit or whatever it was that you were doing so I would probably yeah, maybe, be advising that maybe one is enabling someone like that by doing the same thing 
mm. again and again so in some way condoning it saying it's a, it's okay so yeah. we keep inviting you and this keeps happening and we're fine with it so unless you mm. say something yeah and I, I wouldn't um, mention that she's getting on people's nerves and that people I would just do it as a, no. a place of concern for her not as an oh god you really pissed that person off or whatever because that would just yeah. be the worst mm. well it's can I help you isn't it because it's probably it is a cry for help isn't it that kind yes. of behavior if it's different from normal I mean yeah. you just get drunk and fall over all the time we're just <laughs> used to it now we don't say anything we just put your clothes back on oh put you in I an know Uber, exactly it's all fine off, off I go with a black eye yeah exactly right let's see what we can do with this one don't um, bring your microphone we say to you don't bring that singing microphone we can't have yes. it anymore no more karaoke <laughs> right my best friend who is married and has teenage daughters has been having this is a letter this is not your best friend no it's not right. it's not, no, that, no neither of us have this situation she wants to tell me all the details about it as she's so excited I can see that she is energised and happy but I know her husband really well we socialise as couples so it's extremely awkward to say the least I can't bear knowing this terrible secret what does one do in this situation it's quite a pickle it came up a couple of times this um, friend having an affair husband mm-hmm. not knowing and when you get to midlife I guess I think you've been together as friends for such a long time and you your your whole thing is based around the way you behave as a family isn't it and mm-hmm. you know people really well and you, you you're friends with both of them I think in those situations and I was looking at what some agony aunts actual agony aunts proper ones with therapy qualifications <laughs> <laughs> recommend and they were saying you do you do have to sort of confront it a little bit mm. and talk to your friend to say this this is what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with I think it's about maintenance isn't it a lot of friendships Mm. in midlife need a bit of a maintenance what am I comfortable with now that I wouldn't have been comfortable with before and vice versa where are we get we need to maintain this friendship look at the energy around it and how does it make you you know it's all very well her going through what she's going through but how does it make you feel as a person Mm. and perhaps she hasn't considered that because changing a big change like that in someone's life is going to possibly make them quite self-centered and and unaware of of what's going on around them I personally would say I'm uncomfortable with this I can't I don't think we can talk about it and then set a set of guidelines as you do with teenagers around Mm. things you know they keep things private from you and and so they should because that's a separate identity maybe this is another time you say this is something you you need to keep private and it's it's for you and someone's not embedded a situation of betrayal aren't you because if you if you told him you would be betraying your friend and often it's a shoot the messenger situation so you could end up in all sorts of trouble and then if you don't tell him and then he finds out that you knew all along it's a really difficult one so I think you want to be supportive and not judgmental of your friend but you have to kind of as you say set the boundaries and then maybe suggest if they can if they want to talk about it they should try and seek some professional help about why yeah. what's going on in the marriage that's kind of yeah. you know forcing them into this situation can we do one more this one i think will resonate mm-hmm. dear postcards from midlife i really don't like my friend's children <laughs> <laughs> they are age six to 14 and they are always moaning snatching at toys and food and they never say thank you i would be mortified if my kids behaved like that in other people's homes but she never seems to say anything should i tell her or tell them what do i do when i see them behaving like that well i think that's actually 
the most tricky of them all isn't it because yeah 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 it's a difficult one isn't it because I've got a simple answer to this and and that is that no you don't say anything because I feel like that will be the end the end of the friendship um you know there's nothing more personal than someone slagging off your kids or saying something you know unless there's a particular incident that you kind of need to talk to them about it and you know it's going to get her she wolf hackles up isn't it she's going to be protecting her brood and you don't really know I mean there might be I assume there are good sides to these kids that you might not see but and they will grow up I mean I remember taking this one kid out who behaved so brutally on this trip that I you know this lovely treat that I took with with the kids and he has grown up into the most charming young interesting interested young man and you know what it's just it's just sometimes how kids are what would you do that or would you say something well I think the other thing to bear in mind is that your children are watching how you behave with other Mm. people's children so if you're allowing other people's children to behave like that but saying to your own children don't snatch don't Mm. then it's a really confused message yeah for them so I'm I'm always aware that I can say disciplinary things to other people's children if I feel it's Mm. it's not pleasant behavior so I've always been quite firm about because I don't want to be the favorite visiting aunt or whatever I would say don't do that please don't because I think it's confusing for our own children doesn't feel fair but I think really you're probably right we need to sort of keep out of that and wait for them to change and also children often behave sometimes out of fear of not knowing what's going on or how to deal with it and fear comes across as kind of anger and and Mm. you know what's going on underneath the behavior they might not be comfortable Mm. you might be doing something that's making them uncomfortable when they're with you or they might be just testing the boundaries because that's what they do at home and they don't know what the boundaries are in other people's home you know there's a lot to want to talk to you about it she might be pulling her hair out and she might want to talk to you about it and then you can kind of do it in a supportive helpful way but not not in a go steaming in there right do you think we've sorted that out do you think being agony aunt suits us i think we should get our own show on the radio (laughs) it's agony aunts i think it does suit us it's because we've been working in magazines for ten thousand years now if you would like us to lend some weight of our advice clearly we're not professionally qualified but if you would like us then join our private facebook group and you can direct message us Um, and we can ask people for you as well not medical advice we can't do anything about that or you can ask the group for the help because they are incredibly supportive and helpful and there are a lot of experts on the group Mm. um, as well and they are so smart they are bound to have an answer for you so if you're troubled by something then bring it to Postcards from Midlife. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This week's special guest, Emma Bardwell, is a registered nutritional therapist and women's health expert based in London. Also known as the menopause nutritionist, she says, my job is to give women back their emotional and physical resilience so they can carry on being the dynamic, brilliant women they've always been. And in her new book, The Perimenopause Solution, which she has written with Dr. Shazadi Harper, the 49-year-old mother of two daughters, shares all her expert advice. And she's here today to give us a taster excuse the pun, of the foods we can enjoy and lifestyle changes we can make to ensure we thrive during our midlife and perimenopausal years. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honour to be here. Oh, well, listen, you are an experienced, successful nutritionist, and we'd probably expect you, along with other health and wellness experts, to know all about perimenopause and be really ahead of it, get themselves prepared for it. But that wasn't the case for you, was it? No, it wasn't the case at all, actually. Quite the reverse, I would say. So despite the fact that I had recently finished three years of studying, you know, nutrition that included a whole year of anatomy and physiology, plus modules on women's health, you know, endocrinology, actually, the reality of of perimenopause took me by surprise. I think partly because I was only 42, uh, and partly because my symptoms just weren't those kind of typical poster symptoms that you always hear about, you know, things like hot flushes and mood changes. So for me, the thing that really kind of floored me and that got me going to my GP was um, palpitations. So I did actually go to the GP a number of times, you know, complaining about being breathless. Um, You know, I had this kind of racing heart, particularly at night, which can be absolutely terrifying, can't it? Was your GP helpful and supportive? Do you know anything about the menopause and perimenopause? Probably thought you were a bit young. That's probably what they said was not yeah he was distinctly unimpressed so I went a couple of times and on the second time you know I was begging him to to listen to my heart rate you know which he reluctantly did and of course he couldn't hear anything because you can't you know with palpitations so his philosophy was I needed to do more HIIT exercise Mm -hmm. bearing in mind I work out quite a lot and to speak to a counsellor because I was going through quite a kind of personal upheaval in my relationship at the time so I just remember remember leaving you know feeling really small and stupid and Mm. most shamelessly knowing that exercise was the last thing I needed. How did you get the right help in the end? I kind of went on to do my own research so I put the pieces together I asked to see a different GP and when I did go back to her she did tell me still I was too young you know I was only 42 but you know by then I'd had a list of symptoms that I printed off I'd spoken to my mum. I knew that she was 48 when her periods actually stopped. Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, she was menopausal. So I knew that it was totally within the realms of possibility that I could be perimenopausal Mm -hmm. at 42. I think for listeners who aren't getting the help that they need from a healthcare professional. I think it's just important to remember that you know your body better than anybody else. You know when things start to feel off, you know your cycle, you know what feels right and what doesn't. And I think until GP training improves, And until women's healthcare gets better, we have to advocate for ourselves. That's the harsh reality. 
I mean, it's so confusing perimenopause, isn't it? Yeah. Because it could be any number of things anyway outside of. Um, but I think stress and trauma, you know, a lot of women go through a lot of it in midlife. Can you talk us through what happened and how you think that contributed to your symptoms? I mentioned I was in a failing relationship at the time when my symptoms really kind of reared. So I was 42 at the time. I was under lots of stress. And as we know, stress releases cortisol and it is this kind of all pervasive hormone it takes over I wasn't sleeping I certainly wasn't eating well I just wasn't looking after myself so my symptoms hit me like a bus you know they totally floored me so as well as those palpitations that I mentioned I was also experiencing real kind of psychological symptoms and again those are tend to be the symptoms that aren't talked about mm-hmm. so I felt very alone I felt very isolated and I think because I felt so out of sorts I kind of ended up, and I see this a lot in my clients, I ended up withdrawing into myself. Honestly, I didn't go out for about a year. I didn't see my friends. It was absolutely dreadful. I felt like I was just going through the motions. And I think that side isn't discussed enough. Women feel really lost and joyless and it can take over their lives we lose our sense of identity people say you know I just don't know where I've gone and there is this big spike in female suicide around the age of 50 which happens to be the average age of of menopause in the UK and I I don't think it's a coincidence So, you know, for anyone out there, if you're suffering, talk to someone. Yeah. yeah. Are you super healthy now? Did you make specific nutritional changes when you worked out what was going on? So I guess, and no one's going to like this, but the biggest change that I made was cutting back on alcohol. And oh, no! <laughs> Sorry. As boring as it sounds, prioritising sleep. You know, I was, so in a previous life, before I retrained as a nutritionist, Actually, in my early 40s, I worked in advertising. I was a total party girl, but that all had to stop when I hit perimenopause. And it sounds a bit staid, but, you know, literally to function in life and to stop feeling anxious and feeling on edge all the time, I had to make those changes. So, you know, I still go out. I still socialize once in a blue moon. You know, I go hard. I totally know that I need to add in a shed load of self-care to kind of counteract it in the days after. I guess the other changes I made was I stopped running in my mid-40s and I started lifting weights. And in terms of my diet, it's always been pretty good, but I have definitely fine-tuned it, I would say. And I eat a bit of everything now, but I am predominantly, I guess, plant-based. What we love about the book is the fact that you you sort of list the symptoms of perimenopause and you give specific nutrition advice for each of those. You can look up what your symptom is and find some great advice. So can we go through some of the ones that can make life really tough for us? I know it's the, the poster one, as you said, but hot flushes. So many women struggle with it. From a nutritionist point of view, what advice do you give to help with those symptoms? The obvious triggers are things like alcohol, things like caffeine and stress. So those three things are definitely something to look at. But also it's really important just to maintain a nice, even, steady blood sugar level throughout the day. So the easiest way to do that is to start the day with a protein-based breakfast. Eggs, Greek yogurt, scrambled tofu, you know, protein, powder smoothies, 
Yeah. So then you don't get that kind of crashing and up and down throughout the day. So start the day with protein. Okay, that's a really good one. Anxiety and mood swings, which you've kind of talked about palpitations, something I suffered from at the perimenopause, had an anxiety attack, which I never, ever thought I would have in my life. Quite an extraordinary thing. And the rage. So I'm assuming there are (laughs) dietary... Sort the rage. This is sugar related, I feel, the rage. How, what, what would you recommend for that? It's really similar, actually, to hot flushes. It's about stabilizing your blood sugar levels, avoiding those kind of peaks and troughs, trying to maintain it, keep it nice and steady. Because when your blood sugar levels dip, you release cortisol. Cortisol can cause hot flushes, but it can also make you really hangry, really, really irritable. And it can also cause those cravings that mean that you end up face first in a biscuit barrel. It's the refined sugars. So it's not all sugar. It's the obvious ones. It's things like croissants and white bread and white pasta, cornflakes. You know, I have lots of women who start the day with toast and honey. It doesn't fill them up and it causes those kind of crashes around 11 Mm a.m. I have a lot of soup and salad women you know they have it for lunch and again it it just doesn't it's not satiating enough and it doesn't keep you going so again you'll get that kind of three because it hasn't got the protein you've got no no protein boring salad i'm soup and salad boring exactly (laughs) what about something like joint pain that's a tricky one in terms of nutrition things like hrt obviously it would be a kind of first line management yeah. for things like joint pain yeah. in terms of nutrition i would look to getting lots of healthy fats into your diet so lots of avocado lots of olive oil nuts and seeds oily fish a couple of portions of oily fish mm-hmm. a week, which most of us aren't doing mm. myself included what about veggies where would you get it if you're a vegetarian there's a, an active form of omega which is called epa right. dha so you would be getting that from an algae based supplement so mm-hmm. a good brand is something like Opti3, and it's just as good. It's just as beneficial as a fish oil. And what about low energy and fatigue? I know iron plays a part in that, but it, this general sense of enormous fatigue and tiredness, HRT aside, you can boost that with what you eat, can't you, and drink? Definitely. I think if you are suffering from low energy, the first thing you should do is get your iron levels checked and your thyroid. That, that's the two things yeah. I get most yes, into thyroid. do. Yeah, straight off the back. We want them to be optimal. So, you know, don't just be told that your iron is in range. You want it to be around, I would say, upwards of 80, your ferritin. So once you've got that nailed and you've put that to one side, then I think there's a real tendency for women to deprive themselves that sometimes you know, a lot of the times they're not actually eating enough. Mm. We make sure it's a Gen X thing, I think. This yeah. is this is because we've grown up with all those ridiculous cabbage soup yeah. diets, isn't it? It has been really damaging. It's got a real kind of lasting legacy. It's filling yourself with protein and things like that, energy boosting. Yeah. I mean, protein, if I had to do my number one tip, it would be protein. So you're looking at about a gram per kilogram of body weight. So if you're 70 kilograms, yeah. about 70, minimum 70 grams across the day spread out. And if you're, again, if you're veggie or vegan, I mean, I suppose I'm thinking about our daughters as well, Trish, who don't mm. eat meat. Where are they getting their protein from? What can I yeah. secretly put their food? My daughter is the same and it is a constant kind of battle. So she's really into protein powder smoothies. We get lots of colour and diversity and tofu is really good. Nuts. Yeah, nuts and seeds, definitely. Legumes, lentils, beans, that kind of thing. But tempeh is is something that's Mm -hmm. very similar to tofu. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you can make it nice and crispy so it's not that kind of squidgy. Don't like tofu <laughs> trips. Oh, you have put that on the list. It just yeah. tastes like sweet. Oh, I love it. I made one of your breakfast this morning, actually, from your website, the porridge with the chopped dates. Ch Do you say chia or chia seeds? I say chia. I say chia. Chia seeds. That's the protein, isn't it? The chia seeds and some blueberry compote. And oh my God, it was amazing. Okay. Filling pumpkin seeds. Yeah. It was fabulous. It was so yeah. easy to make. It was delicious. I'm still full, however many hours later. So um, yeah, so just want to mention that some really great recipes on your website. But we mentioned weight there and skinny and everything that we've grown up with as Generation X women. But one of the things that can really dent a woman's confidence in midlife is the old spare tire muffin top situation that women can find themselves very surprised to be in this situation. There's so many women on our Facebook group that talk uh, it's, about this. It's every day isn't it it's yeah. like three or four times a day Every help day. me with my muffin top yeah and it's like they're saying they eat well they're saying they exercise but they just can't seem to sort of shift the extra weight and it really causes feelings of frustration and, and despair what are they doing wrong it's probably the thing that women come to my clinic for mm -hmm. the most yeah in the book i've written a whole chapter 47 ways of losing fat that don't include counting calories so mm -hmm. That's something to refer to. But yeah, if I had to break it down to five quick things they might not be doing, they are not considering the liquid calories that they're consuming. So things mm -hmm. like fruit juice and smoothies and alcohol, you know, mm -hmm. it crops up a lot. A large glass of wine, you know, every other day can put you into a calorie surplus. Doesn't matter how well you've been yeah. eating for the rest of the week. And that's what we're looking for. Weight loss is really, really nuanced, but essentially when you strip it all back, you are looking at getting into a calorie deficit. Mm. So second, I would say perhaps they're not moving enough. They might be working out two or three times a week, which is brilliant. And it's in line with the government guidelines. But what are you doing for the rest of the time? You've got to get your daily movement in. You know, we often talk about 10,000 steps as a kind of guide, it's called non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You've basically just got to keep moving. You've got a built-in tracker on your smartphone. It's free. Use it. It's quite hard, though, I think, for women, because I think you might know all this and there's so much information, but it's quite hard to motivate when you're down and lethargic and sad. How do we begin motivating? What do you advise your clients? Small tweaks. Don't go large. Don't do a massive overhaul. It has to feel manageable and you have to kind of bed that tweak in almost. Work on it, make it a habit, entrench it into your life and then move on to the next one. Remain consistent, but also realistic. You're not going to lose eight kilos overnight. It's going to take a while. Weight loss isn't linear. It very much kind of goes up and down. Something like your Facebook group is really helpful, just getting other people on board. So you've got your yeah. perimenopause posse almost to kind of incentivize oh, like that. and keep <laughs> you going. The, the PMP. The PMP. Is, is, that, is that the WhatsApp group when you when you WhatsApp me, Trish, and say, how many hobnobs have you had today? <laughs> yeah. On a Wednesday night, we WhatsApp and say, we're not having wine tonight. Oh, it's not our wine night, is it? <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. And then sometimes we say Thursday might be our mm. wine night, but then we see if we can hold out till Friday. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about anti-inflammatory as well on, the, yeah. on an episode last week and anti- trying to kind of, you know, be a bit more anti-inflammatory and things like fasting. And I've been trying to give up sugar. I don't have tons of it, but I probably have more than I think. And I have something sweet every day. And I found trying to stop the first three days, just not having that little cake in the afternoon or that little, oh my God, it was so like my body was literally <laughs> craving. What is going on? Is that my blood sugar yeah. levels again? We had Cravings. to lock her in a cupboard. We had to hide her away. <laughs> Bad habit. Yeah, it's really hard. So giving mm. up sugar just sounds so all or nothing, doesn't it? I, mm-hmm. I think yes. perhaps it's more manageable if you think about it more as I'm going to reduce the amount of added sugars that I mm. eat, okay. you know? Right. Sugar in moderation is absolutely fine. It doesn't matter what people tell you. It's not a drug. It's not addictive. It can feel that way because it tastes so good and it lights up those dopamine re- reward centers. But equally, I think you can, you can train your taste buds to need less perhaps than you currently do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the government guidelines say six teaspoons a day, So, you know, start tracking the ones that you add yourself. So things like sugar and tea, maple syrup on porridge, you know, things like that. But it's the hidden ones in processed foods that I think we need to be a little bit more aware of. Some things like low-fat yogurts have eight grams of of added sugars. Wow. Yeah, two tablespoons. So that's a third of your kind of added sugar quota. God, just in the yogurt. Oh, my goodness. Right, okay. And does the way your body metabolizes sugar change as as the hormones are moving around your body? Yeah, absolutely. We kind of head into our 40s and we become a little bit more insulin resistant. So basically, we just don't process carbs as well as we used to. You know, there's lots of things that you can do to kind of just kind of switch up from added sugar. So things like vanilla bean paste, you know, in your yogurt to kind of give it that nice sweetness. You can stew apples and pears, things like that, have it in your porridge. Swapping things like milk chocolate for dark chocolate, which tends to be low in sugar adding in cinnamon and nutmeg and things like that are really nice ways to kind of help balance it out so lots of flavors but just yeah you're getting your head round change really aren't you and it's just my final sugar question and my final alcohol question (laughs) she's not gonna let it lie (laughs) um this is it i'm never asking it again because i i think i know the answer is it the sugar in the booze what is in the booze that we can't tolerate but is it all or nothing i mean i know i'd feel better but then I don't know what my treat would be. Yeah, it doesn't seem to serve us very well as we get older. So it dehydrates us, it affects our sleep, it makes us feel anxious, mm. high in calories, it spikes blood sugar. It's a real trigger for hot flushes and night sweats. It messes with your skin. So, you know, there's a lot kind of against yeah. it. The kind of pros are it can be a really good way of bonding and socialising and winding down. Yeah. Do you have red wine or what? what? What do you drink? I'm trying to look for the least you dangerous, want, volatile. <laughs> uh, white wine tends to be higher in sugar than red wine yeah. you could argue that red wine has resveratrol in it which is a polyphenol a kind of antioxidant yeah. um, but i would say if you are 
drinking. Stay hydrated. No one ever does it. You know, yeah. every for every drink you have, have some water. Start early, finish early so that you metabolize it as much ah, as before yeah, you go to it. bed. Because when you go to bed and you're still a bit tipsy, your blood sugar levels will then drop and it will wake you up with this kind of bolt of cortisol. Yeah. And also, I think, actually, there's a lot to be said for clear spirits. So things like vodka, lime and soda. For lots of my right. clients, they actually find that they spike them and trigger them less than wine. Okay, vodka, mm-hmm. lime, soda, nitrish. That's our part. Yeah. <laughs> what about diets like the keto diet and these different things? Faddy, is that a bit faddy, those kind of diets? Or is there any kind of benefit to those? To be honest, I think that keto, it's a bit binary for me. It mm. doesn't have enough mm. flexibility. So mm. most women will have tried it by the time that they come to see me. It's really restrictive. It creates lots of cortisol, again, because it's really stressful, starving yourself of carbs. Mm. The last thing that any woman needs when she's going through perimenopause, it doesn't contain enough fiber. So lots of women end up getting constipated and it's just quite miserable. Life is hard enough. it's really hard to maintain long term i think the best diet is the one that you can stick to while keto might serve you or it might work for you in your 20s i don't think it does when you're in the thick of kind of hormone hell and with fasting yeah there's some interesting research most of it i think it's worth bearing in mind has been done on rats and on men Mm. but there is some evidence i think pointing towards it being good for regulating your blood sugars so it can make you a little bit more insulin sensitive which is by and large a good thing but if you've got a history of disordered eating it's definitely not something mm. i think that you should be looking into but for most of us we can do an you know an overnight fast of 12 hours i think quite easily mm-hmm. 8 p.m mm-hmm. to 8 a.m and if that works and if you find it quite manageable you can start nudging it up making it maybe 14 hours i quite like that i feel quite good when i do that when i don't have breakfast till 11 or 12 now tell me about supplements because so basically what we're saying is the moment we hit about 40 or around the perimenopause time all the hormones are fluctuating so we really shouldn't be messing about with with daft diets depriving ourselves of things but there's been a lot of talk of vitamin d there's been a lot of talk of magnesium being really vital in midlife what are the supplements or the added bits that we need to think about at this age they're my kind of two big ones the only blanket supplement all women should be taking yet is vitamin d i would get your levels all right so what what happens if they're wrong your vitamin d levels it affects your immune health affects your mood affects your skin um, your nervous system and calcium absorption for your bones as well which is really important obviously for osteoporosis yeah what dose are you looking for because when you walk into a health food shop they're all in these horrendously different doses because there's about 400 vitamin d tablets you can take what what are we looking for yeah so you're looking for a d3 which is the active form i would say as a perimenopausal woman you would be looking to have that with a k2 so d3 Mm -hmm. plus k2 because that helps to absorb the calcium into your bone the recommended amount is 10 micrograms but Mm. i would say that a day yeah a day you would possibly need more particularly if you've got darker skin tones and you know during lockdown we just haven't been out so we get our vitamin d from the sun so you know you're looking at an optimal level of above 50 you can get your levels checked with your gp could be quite tricky right now so you can use private companies like medichecks you can do it actually for about 30 quid is it safe to just kind of you know think right i need some vitamin d i need some this i need some that and then just go off and 
get no. your own cocktail it's not is it no no, no Trish no, don't not. be silly I know I've got to stop doing that. I think particularly with those, with the fat-soluble vitamins, so A, D, E, and K, you actually hold on to them in your body. You don't excrete them out. So you can, I mean, it's rare, but you can reach toxic levels. So yeah, do get checked. And I would always kind of run it past a healthcare professional before you start taking something new. And magnesium, does that help you sleep? Yeah, magnesium is great. That's another one that I recommend a lot. I recommend a really kind of therapeutic dose, about 300 to 400 milligrams of a a well-absorbed kind. Because again, it's really confusing. There are a plethora of brands out there. So a magnesium glycinate is really good, really well-absorbed, really good for things like sleep and restless legs and anxiety. If you kind of get those little... Eye witches, magnesium is really good for muscle relaxation. Put it next to your bed, take it at night. If you're looking for a good high potency one, Viridian is a good brand. A B complex goes down really well with perimenopausal women, particularly B12, is it? It's everything. It's all eight B vitamins. You know, they all do slightly different things, but stress kind of eats up your B vitamins. So few of us aren't eating enough oily fish. A good fish oil like Bear Biology or, uh, you know, an algae-based one if you're vegan or veggie. Okay. So just to summarise then, a B-complex, a vitamin D3 plus K2, magnesium and a a really good fish oil is kind of your basics of what you probably should be taking. Honestly, don't spend a fortune on supplements. For the most part, you can get what you need from your diet. Yeah. So if you were going to suggest maybe five things that listeners should add to their shopping trolley, what could they throw in there (laughs) that's going to be easy and going to help them? I would recommend having something like a fruit or a veg or a herb that you haven't eaten for ages or perhaps never, ever tried it. Turmeric, I'm thinking. Yeah. Or I was thinking more for you, something like beetroot. Yeah. That's in my trolley. I am any kind of root vegetable beetroot situation. Okay. You've got to do that now. You've got to get a root vegetable in there. I can't smell it even beetroot. Basically your gut microbes really love diversity. So adding in a new or unusual kind of ingredient can be really helpful to help them thrive. I would also recommend on that kind of tack, fermented food. So just to get more kind of good live bacteria into your gut. Kefir is a great one. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, widely available. It tastes funny, kefir. It tastes funny. I don't like it. Is it like, I've never had it. Is it like a sort of yogurt thing? Bitter. It's Busy. yogurt, but not yogurt. <laughs> It's it's much more fermented, isn't it? Um, what would you yeah, eat that with, yeah. Emma? With chia seeds. You don't have to have a massive amount. Oh, okay. And then yeah. some fruit or something and shove it all. Yeah, okay. Put it in a smoothie. I would also add a form of phytoestrogens in there. So, you know, the big hitters are soya, ed- like edamame beans or tofu. Oh, I like them. Flax seeds, that kind of thing. Flax seeds are brilliant. And then finally, I'd get some berries in there because they're in season right now. You know, they're cheap. They're accessible, a good form of antioxidants, great for your skin, great for brain, low glycemic load, so they're low in sugar. That is super helpful. Now, if I was going to send you, foodie expert, onto a desert island, what could you not live without? And what would you say, do not put that in my suitcase or I'll kill you? (laughs) (laughs) I am a massive fan. I don't know if you two know this brand, but Booja Booja. Oh, the chocolate. 
Yeah. So it's like a dark chocolate truffle. Mm. It's got hazelnuts in it. So oh, they are my little smiley face there. Mm, like they that. are my go-to. They are so eye-wateringly expensive that I can't afford to eat them all the time, which is probably a good thing. Definitely one for you to try, Lorraine. They are amazing. I promise you will like them. And then for the things I just can't stand, it would be, have to be something like ketchup or baby. Oh, yuck. Baby. Oh, ba- yeah. Oh, baked beans are disgusting. Just awful. My husband loves them. He just, he, he, against my will, he managed to insert them into the children's diet and they all like them as well. I can't even open the tin. It's just like a pile of sugar with some funny things in it. The smell is, I do this thing when he's, when he's not here where I just put it all in a box. And then when I go to the supermarket, I put it in the um, donate thing because I just can't have them in the house we, he brings them in and I secretly take them take out, them out again oh you've been so helpful oh, Emma that was so so exciting god I think I've written so much down there yes so I've, got I've got all my notes shopping list yeah. of brilliant things yeah um, yes but we, super healthy. we love that you've written the book with Shazani she's been on the podcast she's a couple of times did, did you guys know each other yeah we knew each other before we wrote the book we met mm. on a podcast actually and oh, we right. it was one of those kind of instant midlife new best buddy kind of oh lovely and we realized that there just wasn't enough evidence-based info on Mm -hmm. perimenopause i think the combination of her sort of medical and your nutritional is a really good combo in the book the perimenopause solution we have actually got a copy of that to give away on the facebook group so that is brilliant if you want to have a look on there you can potentially win a copy so thank you so much for joining us emma it's been absolutely brilliant getting all that information absolutely pleasure thank you so much for having me i love what you do welcome to the section of the show where we have a look at something that could be handy for you in life now this week in how to win at midlife we're discussing acupuncture how it may be useful for women during perimenopause and menopause but also how it may help those who can't take hormone replacement therapy for various reasons, particularly for hot flushes and night sweats. Mm, yes, we came across the acupuncture practitioner, Joe Darling, who actually helped one of our guests, uh, Josie Lloyd, who was on the show a few weeks ago, and she had breast cancer treatment. So Josie isn't able to take HRT, um, but she used a magnet. She talks about this on the show, actually, which um, she placed on the back of her neck to help with hot flushes. And this intrigued us. So Lorraine, you had a chat with Joe, didn't you, and looked into acupuncture and what it can do for women i did it is an alternative therapy and it's really the idea of holistically treating women and joining up the dots which is what chinese medicine seems to do Mm -hmm. a lot better than traditional medicine Um, and you treat the symptoms of everything and look at what's going on in in a woman's life at the same time that could be contributing yeah and if you want to hear more about this because we did actually talk to Chinese medicine practitioner Katie Brindle on the show earlier this year so you can go back and and listen to that podcast and she was absolutely fascinating all about gua sha massage and tapping and acupuncture and everything yes so I think we just need to be clear that Trish and I are not medical experts Mm. and while many NHS GPs and some specialist IVS and cancer units do actually prescribe acupuncture we're not really able to approve how effective 
it is on this podcast, just FYI. So all of this is in that context. But there is some guidance because when I chatted to Jo, she specialises in helping cancer patients at a private hospital in Brighton before and after chemotherapy. And basically, though, just for your information, acupuncture is using small needles gently inserted into the skin to stimulate the central nervous system, which is thought to prompt a biochemical change which activates the body's natural healing Mm -hmm. ability. Um, And certainly in China, it's taken incredibly seriously and, and they are seen as GPs, um, acupuncturists. Now, the magnet that Josie was using is to stop hot flushes. So what is happening there, and it's a proxy for a needle, essentially, Joe Darling told me, is a constant pressure on an acupuncture point that reduces heat in the body. So you put the magnet, very, very tiny magnet on there, and you keep it on there and only taking it off to wash. And that's the a bottom of the neck, kind of back of the neck. Now, chemotherapy is incredibly heating for the body mm-hmm. in China medicine in the same way that menopause is incredibly heating and what was interesting when I chatted to Joe is she said there are seven to eight types of hot flush mm. so in Chinese medicine they wouldn't just look at you and say you're having a hot flush they they try and work out where it was coming from and then right. they would put the pressure on the point on the meridian that treats that mm. so it can start in the kidney or the liver or the spleen um, and there are many places that cause heat in the body when they're out of kilter when they're not functioning mm. properly and she also said the elbow is another place you can put an acupuncture point which Mm -hmm. reduces heat as well stress really really unhelpful Mm. that causes the heat that combines with your symptoms of perimenopause there's 400 acupuncture points on the body and the premise i guess of acupuncture is just releasing blockages to enable Mm. it to flow so that the organs function well and she Mm -hmm. said fluctuating hormones affect the flow of this energy that's the belief in chinese medicine on her website there are lots and lots of testimonies from women and i've certainly met women who've said that acupuncture Mm. has been incredibly helpful not instead of hrt but because they can't take hrt or alongside taking HRT if you wanted to do this you could have a look at Joe Darling's website which is menopoised p-o-i-s-e-d and she talks about the magnets how to put them on etc but you can find a therapist through the British Acupuncture Council website everyone should do a free 15 minute consultation for you and then you would expect to pay around 50 to 60 Mm -hmm. pounds for an appointment you would probably go three times before you decide whether it works or not. And then you could go up to seven sessions and they could be weekly or monthly, depending on your symptoms and the lifestyle changes that you make around acupuncture. I think it was really interesting because she also talked about the buildup of histamines, which happens to women as they age, you know, because a lot of us, I mean, I developed a really severe allergy after the age of 40 and that's all to do with the buildup of histamines and heat. And again, Trish, that links to that kind of anti-inflammatory lifestyle as well. I just want to make one point though, I did a lot of research around the magnets and there is absolutely no real evidence to prove no. that the magnet element of the magnets, you know, there's been no studies basically to prove that. So we have to be careful about advising that. But I know Josie certainly said it helped her and yeah. the body is believed to be magnetic, which is mm-hmm. why the magnets are used. And Joe's feeling really is that the acupuncture point is probably as helpful as the magnet sometimes, but the magnets seem to work for her patients. Now, you have had acupuncture. I have, actually, yes. So I've had it a couple of times. The first time I 
used it really was when I was trying and failing to get pregnant in my 30s. I had polycystic ovary syndrome, all sorts of things that were not allowing me to get pregnant. And um, I did use it while I was having IVF. I really enjoyed it. It's very relaxing. It seems really weird, but you don't feel the needles going in. They are so fine. But when they go in, you feel this kind of almost pulling and drawing sensation, like right. from different points in your body. So you're, you're literally like, whoa, what's going on here? And you really get the sensation that something is connecting to something. But yeah, so I found it actually very relaxing. And there are studies that actually have proven that yeah. it increases the success of IVF. Yeah, and it's just very calm and relaxing. And I think if you can help your overall stress levels and manage, that is going to help you manage some of your symptoms and live with some of your symptoms, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I think it's a really good thing to try if you can afford it and you want to look more holistically about what's mm. going on with your symptoms. So I wonder if they do it for pets. I mean, your pixel is very highly mm. strung. She's a Welsh terrier. She Maybe she could do with a bit of it. Well, she could actually, but if she carries on barking like this, I think someone else will be... Sticking a few needles in her, yes. <laughs> so it's nostalgia noodle time. And can I say last week's Peter Powell at the Radio 1 Roadshow yes. has caused a storm of photos and comments on the I Facebook know. group. We've got lots of photos of Peter Powell with his top off with the, you know, young girl. He was, from, he was buff. He was buff. Buff. <laughs> That was a word for you. Don't say that. I don't think you said it anymore. You might have said it in the 80s or 90s. So um, I kind of feel if they, you know, if our lovely listeners could post their pictures, then maybe you could, Lorraine. I I think you need to get on that thread. (laughs) What have you got for this week? Well, I was noodling about on Twitter because, as you know, I'm an avid user of Mm. social media. And well, I did see one thing which was very funny. Two things. Mm -hmm. Before my nostalgia noodle, I just wanted a little shout out to our listener. Kirsten, Kristen, who spotted us having our meeting this week oh, she in did. London for our summer planning. Yeah. And she mentioned it on Twitter and said she wished she'd come and said hello to us. And Aww. come and say hello come to us. We're <laughs> recognised out in the wilds. I've got an enormous <laughs> ego that needs constantly stroking, so I'd Aww. be jolly. And Trish, you just like everybody. I just talked. I love a chat. Love you a good do. old chat. Yes, you do. Exactly. Yes, we like now, that. Also on Twitter, they asked if we could nostalgia noodle about Just Seventeen oh, magazine. Oh, yes. Huge spread. Um, yes. You may know about it. So, Just Seventeen. I think it was a really important part of our lives, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Nineteen eighty-three to two thousand and four. It was every, every other week. It's where Jacqueline Wilson started her career. Yes, yes. and I think uh, Jane Goldman, film producer, wife of Jonathan Ross, also did a stint there as well, in fact. I know, and I remember it really well. One of the readers still has the T-shirt, which was on one of the early issues with a 17. the giveaway. 17, the giveaway, yeah. So I was having a little look, and they they did all sorts of amazing things. This is where people, young women, got lots Mm. of information. They had a little photo book of different shaped vulvas oh. <laughs> nice. then i found to the for all of you who were asking mm. on twitter the uh, just 17 fan page on mm-hmm. facebook which has the first issue which was a girl in uh, boxing gloves holding yeah. up so it's sort of saying um, are you ready this is everything a girl could ask for was the strap line on the magazine and further noodling six degrees of separation mm. steve bush was the art director and he gave me my first editing oh. job which I remember now um yes B magazine he lives in Australia now yes, but yes. Uh, 
The thing I did notice, and it was lovely, 70p, aimed at 13-year-olds, mm. out every Wednesday. Uh, the Agony Aunt, Anita Nake started there. Mm. Nick Fisher was there. Great big posters, Leo DiCaprio and things. But the whole team, more or less, behind it, launching it, in charge of it at the beginning, defining what 13 and 14-year-old mm. girls would look at, were all men. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> When I looked at that, because we know all those people, yes, don't we, we from do. the magazines, we, yes. know, we knew who was driving mm, it. Yeah. Um, it was it's Dave Hepworth was, was initially. Yeah. I mean, the decision-making was kind of all from a male point of view, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. But do go on the Facebook page because they interviewed Toya Wilcox at Pineapple mm. Dance Studios, which oh. is where they held the launch. Oh, and what brilliant. they did was say, who is 17 on this day? Come and celebrate your birthday with us. So they had this long line of girls mm. talking and Toya there. All those kind of sort of 80s stars in the room yeah. saying happy birthday to all these lovely 17-year-olds. Oh. I was just wondering where all those girls were now. I know. That's so lovely. Well, um, when they launched Marie Claire in the UK, they invited women called Marie Claire to a big fancy lunch at the Savoy. <laughs> so it was obviously a thing Money there, no wasn't it? Money no object. Not when, not when we were there. <laughs> I Ow. was in just 17 once, can I just say. <laughs> I was in one of their out and about on the street photos where they photographed oh, people. Yes. Were you Smith's ranging? We, were well, we were a bit. This? Yeah, we both had quiffs. <laughs> so oh. maybe we, we looked a bit trendy in just 17. It's quite exciting. Can and then you I stop worked... using these words, trendy and buff. Oh, God. <laughs> I think it's fine. Look, you may have moved on, but me and everybody else in the just 17 yeah. world were still there. Where um, have you nostalgia oh, noodled well, this week? I'm slightly was, dreading it because I'm looking at the notes. Yeah, you can the see the notes. I'm a bit well, worried about it's what a bit before, here. but it was also quite formative. Navy blue knickers. Do you remember? Navy blue knickers in an air tech oh, school shirt. when you started. <laughs> I feel like I still had to wear navy blue knickers in an air tech shirt in secondary school. I'm I'm quite convinced that in the early years of secondary school, I mean, how ridiculous. But the thing about navy blue knickers was how sort of thick they were and kind of because obviously they were supposed to be shorts really but they were knickers and the worst thing was was when the elastic went in them (laughs) (laughs) what would happen when you've got a sister who's a year older than you her elastic goes in her knickers and then she steals your knickers and then you have to go in with the knickers that are going to fall down and it's just very (laughs) very embarrassing not very good for your gymnastics career it's not no not for the handstands and flip flats and and all the rest of it but uh yeah so obviously i i'm still holding a grudge with with her on on that one i was the oldest one with a two years younger sister and we had to kind of go for the size in between us so that we we shared the name we could separate the two between who but mine were too small and hers were too big always oh nice baggy or a wedgie Mm. not a good choice but now of course it's all about squats squats for the girls god i wish they'd invented those when we were young well that noodling brings us to the end of this episode of postcards from midlife thanks for listening if you enjoyed it please share it with all your friends and the midlife women you know and remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too and please download we always ask you this your episodes because they count on our listener numbers which is just super helpful for us we like the numbers don't we? I do. <laughs> big numbers and don't forget to join us in our private facebook group or on instagram or email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com and anything you need to know about the podcast is on our new website postcardsfrommidlife.com goodbye goodbye
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 